Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. What I'd like for you to do in the next few weeks is that you'll partner with me on this study. That not only during the time of me teaching this to you, I would like for you to get out your commentaries and maybe go on the internet and get some good studies on the background of what it means of a shepherd in his life and what this passage might mean. And maybe then, together, we can really grow as his sheep. Now, to do that, I kind of need to take you back into Scripture so you understand this. You know, the Lord, Jesus, has many different titles In preparing this message, one place I studied that he had over 68 different titles to name of the Lord, like the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And in between that are all these different titles. But probably no greater title that could be given to the Lord in his relationship to people would be when he is referred to as himself being the shepherd. In fact, it is so important that he's not only referred to as shepherd, he is really referred to as the good shepherd. He's also referred to as the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, and all these to let us know a little bit about his background. Well, when you go back into scripture and you find out about some of these titles, you're going to find that in the Old Testament, God himself is referred to as one who would shepherd his people and how important it was that he would then provide that leading and guiding where he would feed them and protect them and to lead them. So much in the Old Testament. Probably the uh, psalm we most know is Psalm 23 where David, the shepherd boy who grew up to become arguably Israel's greatest king. He wrote a psalm, which then became a hymn, which we would now call a song. It's the 23rd psalm, which he begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So even shepherds, those that pastor, need shepherds. And that shepherd is the Lord. So you see that in the Old Testament. If you move to the New Testament, you're going to find that even the prophecy from the Old Testament, when Jesus was born, it said that out of Bethlehem would come a leader who would then shepherd his people. And then later on, right near the time of Jesus' death, fulfilling that prophecy, it said when the shepherd is smoten or, or killed then what would happen? The sheep would then scatter. So Jesus was referred to as the shepherd God of his people all throughout scripture. How dearing that really would be. And then for the term to be used, shepherds, for most of us that live here in uh, the concrete jungle, you know, we read about shepherds. We might see them on television. We might see sheep if we go to the zoo or maybe go to a place that might have a petting zoo where we'll see some sheep. But we really are not up close and personal to understand the whole dynamic of shepherding sheep. I won't have you raise your hand, but how many of you actually ever touched a sheep? You might have touched wool, but I don't know if you've ever touched sheep. You might have eaten lamb, you know, but you've never really seen the whole dynamic of, of rearing sheep, particularly as it's done in the economy of Israel, which really that was their whole livelihood pretty much was shepherding. And now when you do your study, look at those great Bible leaders of the Old Testament and how much they were actively involved in shepherding. And I'm wondering if there is a great analogy that's involved in the whole concept of shepherding and leading people and leading sheep and God doing this with his sheep and leaders doing that with their sheep and how this just really opens up and how really precious that really is. When you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that Israel was known as the sheep of God's pasture and that God would be the shepherd. And then you also knew that there were some under-shepherds that the Lord used, and those would be the religious leaders in the Old Testament as it spilled over into the time of Christ. And we saw how that they were. Some were good, and many of them were not. And there was tremendous indictment against those shepherds that fleeced their sheep and abused their sheep. 
Because that whole analogy, but also what was to come from it, is so very, very important. You move further into the New Testament, and again, you see the Lord being the shepherd, and we're going to study a lot about that. But you also see how the church is known as the sheep now, that you and I that know Christ as Savior, we are the sheep. And we have shepherds or pastors or elders in that role to provide teaching as well as protecting and feeding and guiding people. Not to follow them, but to follow the Lord. So they, again, represent, in a sense, many ways, the Lord and how vital that really is. But yet, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Lord is not only providing us and reminding us of the importance of shepherds and also defining what the role should be, but he also warns them because of the reality of the existence of false shepherds, false teachers, false apostles. In fact, it was so much so that when Paul went back to the church at Ephesus, he called the elders that were there, And he pulled him aside and he said, I want you to know that there will be false teachers, false leaders, false shepherds outside trying to steal the sheep, but also inside, which now tells me that in every church in America, there probably is some way some false teacher is getting in or is already in that trying to destroy the sheep. So again, it's wise for us to know the best way to do is to know the shepherd and then to hear his voice, to follow him, and to trust him. And so we're going to learn a lot about that over the next few weeks because more than anything, I want you to have the most deepest intimate relationship with the good, great, and chief shepherd and how precious that he is to all of us. And I'm one of, I have one of those odd roles, Pastor Dennis and I do. We're, we're a shepherd, but we're also sheep at the same time. So we have a little bit of this thing going on. And for now, I want to see myself not so much just as a shepherd of you all, but one of the sheep. And he is the great shepherd that's going to teach us as well. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them up to John chapter 10. And if you didn't bring a Bible today, they're in the pew racks there. You can get them underneath the seat or whatever. Follow along if you would like. And we're going to answer the question, why Jesus is the good shepherd. Next week, we're going to talk about why we could trust this good shepherd. And then after that, we're going to talk about one of the greatest promises that the good shepherd has made to us that gives us our greatest sense of security. And you'll want to be here for that as well. Well, to do this, I'd like to take you back through this passage. But if you have your Bibles, you might want to mark them. And let's look at some of the characters that are found early on in this great and rich chapter. Because in my opinion, if we're going to talk about shepherds, there's no greater chapter than this wonderful, sweet chapter referring referring to Jesus Christ as it opens up who he is. Now, beginning in verse 1, he says, truly, truly, or amin, amin in the Greek, which means I'm not going to tell you a lie right now. I want you to focus on me. Look at me. I'm telling you something that is very important. Those of you who are new to our study, go through just the Gospel of John and see how many times Jesus is basically saying, listen, 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 I'm saying something important again. Truly, truly, this is the truth. Listen to me. He says, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Now you could circle that because we're going to talk about thieves and robbers in one context today and next week as well. But primarily they're going to be referred to, I believe, as the Jewish leaders who are contrary to the word of God, contrary to Christ. We would call them the Pharisees, some of the scribes, the legalists, some of the priests, those people that had all the trappings of spiritual leadership uh, from the Bible but at the same time they did not have accurate biblical content of who he was, who Christ was. Then he says, but he who enters by the door. So you were going to talk about the character, the characteristic of a door later on, so circle that. That is a very important truth as it's uh, repeated here in this passage. And then, of course, we have the shepherd. 
The door and the shepherd would be referring to Jesus Christ. So if you want to mark that in some way, he is both the door and the shepherd. And that's why this study might sound a little confusing because he is mixing the metaphors. Now, even though he mixes them, he does a great job to be able to explain the difference between the metaphors and really identifying himself as two separate metaphors, but still underneath the umbrella of shepherding and sheep. Verse 3 says... To him, the doorkeeper opens. To him, the shepherd, the doorkeeper opens. This would be like an under-shepherd. This, too, could refer very much to other leaders at the time, representing maybe the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, etc., those that kind of came along. And then it says, and then the sheep. I like that phrase. Who would be the sheep in this thing? Well, the sheep would be you and me, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So we would be called the sheep. But drop down to verse 12. And says, and he who is a hired hand, that's the final character in this passage. The hired hand would be those also that would come out and at times um, help out with the sheep. And they too would be ones that would not be following who Christ is and would not be the shepherd that they should be. And usually that would refer to those that would be Jews as well and others that would want to steal the truth and to really um, do harm to the flock of God. So those would be our, our characters in here. And I really enjoy that because the Jews were known as the sheep of his pasture. We were also known as sheep. So now it gets me to ask the question, if we were sheep, what, how are we like sheep? What would make us like sheep? And there's many ways we could talk about it. One of the ways we could talk about it pretty simply is that we as sheep that we are kind of people that need to be rescued because sheep need to be rescued. They kind of wander off and they can get into dangerous areas and get attacked by the wolves. At other times, we know that sheep are pretty ignorant. These are the sheep that just really aren't too, too smart. They've got a little bit of smarts, but not very much, and so they need someone to watch out for them. They're generally the kind that get dirty pretty easily and can get injured. So sheep need a shepherd, and that's why they great analogy is there. But more than that, I really want to put it down to two. One is because... As a sheep, I am very, very vulnerable, as sheep really will be vulnerable in what they do. And that's why in the passage it talks about a flock, and it also talks about a fold. What's the difference between a flock and a fold? A flock is where sheep kind of need to be together, and a fold is where that they're contained in a particular pen. So if you want, you can write the word pen next to that if you want to. So they're in a pen. Sheep need security, and security is when they have certain boundaries, And when we stay within those boundaries, we have safety and security. And all those things are necessary to help us to thrive and not just survive. And so we tend to need a particular fold. Now for us, the fold is going to be obviously the Word of God. If we stay within the confines of Scripture, there's a lot of freedom in Scripture. But also if we go outside of Scripture, there's some great danger. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, The cruise ship basically says you can go anywhere you want on the cruise ship except you can't walk three feet off the bow because you drown, you fall into the water. So you have freedom. You have all the freedom in God's word here because it's a freeing book. It's liberty for us. And if we live by the book, that we'll enjoy the freedom we have in Christ. But once we get outside of that, we have danger. Another part of our fold is the safety that there is with one another. Because often we can hold each other accountable when we see someone that is getting outside the pen and the confines of Scripture. We can speak into their lives. Those that are going in the wrong direction, we could gently nudge them and help them get into the right direction again. That's why I urge people to have 
probably four different areas of their life under control. One area would be an alone time with God. So it's just them and the Lord enjoying the, what we'll call the virgin relationship between them and the Lord. It's not filtered through other people. It's just them and the Lord. Secondly, if you're a lady, you need an older lady in your life, older in the sense spiritually mature in your life, to speak into your life. And you can ask questions. Who's walked the path ahead of you, men the same way. So you need to have one person in your life that you can go to and they will hold you accountable. Someone who's tough and tender at the same time, a little blue denim and lace together. Number three, you do need a consistency of a small group ministry where that they count on you coming every week. When you don't come, you check in, they check in with you. Someone that you know that you're going to be there. Some place where you can go where they really know you and you can know all those people in the group. A place where you can love and be loved. And generally that small group ought to meet frequently. Now, however that is, I don't know, but I think it needs to be more than once a month or once a quarter, but you need to meet regularly. And then finally, the corporate where everybody together is hearing the same thing and worshiping the Lord and the family is seeing that we're not just us four no more shut the door. We are as a community of the redeemed worshiping the Lord together. That's part of the fold. The second would be the area of the flocks. And I like the word flocks. Now we know that sheep like to wander, but when you have a flock, there's that safety when there is in the flock with one another. And so those two words kind of go together in what I've been saying. But there's another word besides the word vulnerable. It's the word influenced. Sheep are very, very influenced. It doesn't take them much to begin to be drawn and get distracted to go into another direction how easily influenced they are. And probably... One of the best ways I can say that for you and me is we, even as humans, are influenced, but even church people are influenced. A couple of times a year, Carol and I will get out our scrapbook, our our picture album, and um, either of our wedding or times of our life, and we just kind of reflect on the wonderful people God's brought into our life, the things that they've done, kind of a memory chip for us to go back and look at this. But it's so weird because when I was teaching in Bible college, I remember teaching there in the 70s. And I looked at some of the clothes that I would wear in the 70s. Now, some of you are old enough to remember those clothes. If not, kids, look at your mom and dad picture album, and that will tell you how influenceable your mom and dad really would be. I wore big bell bottoms with cuffs. We had leisure suits made out of polyester. Can you remember what I'm talking about? Now, I didn't have this. But they had the big kinky Afro hairstyles. Do you remember those kinds of things? The tie-dyed items. I wouldn't be caught dead or alive in any way wearing that now. And I'm wondering, how in the world would we ever wear this stuff? Because we're sheep. And we're easily influenced by that. And that's why it's important for us to have a shepherd in our life. And I'm referring to the good shepherd in our life. And he is in our life through the word and through his spirit and through others who will point us to the word so that when we're influenced, we're not influenced by the world, we're influenced by him, and that's the role of the shepherd. And so while we're teaching about this relationship, I am praying for all of us that not only do we have this head knowledge of who he is and who we are and all the dangers and all the benefits, but that we would be convicted enough in our spirit to then make the choices to listen to the shepherd, to follow the shepherd, to trust the shepherd in our life. Because that's when we will eat of that delicious pasture of the real grass that he wants us to have for spiritual growth and maturity. So I look at this and I see how beautiful it is about who the Lord is and how much I desperately need him in my life as the shepherd. Now let's pause and ask you to maybe ask yourself some questions. Are you about ready to make a major decision in your life? Something that will involve a lot of money. That's usually a major decision. 
And whatever a lot of money, it's, that's relative to wherever you are. But it's a decision that will cost you money. Are any of you about to make a decision that's going to cost you a major change in your schedule or time? Are some of you making a decision that even would affect your family for a long period of time? Are some of you making a decision that it could go a different direction, but you're not sure? I don't know where you are right now, but perhaps all of us can speak into that in some measure. And I want you to know that the Lord not only was the shepherd in the Bible days, he wasn't just the shepherd in the Old Testament, the shepherd in the, in the Gospels, the shepherd in the New Testament. I want you to know that he is alive and well, and he is your shepherd. He never stopped shepherding us. And so right now, he already has walked that path in his sovereign omnipotence, in his every way present, in his eternality. And so you desperately need to know Is this in God's will? Is he speaking to me right now? Now, if you say, are you you speaking to me right now, Pastor? Are you you talking to me? I'm talking to everyone who's listening to me, including I'm talking to the one who's talking, which would include me. I want to make sure that I listen to the Lord. And the beauty of the Lord is that he's not so far away that he's not going to hear us. He's not so uncaring that he's going to let us fall off the cliff just to show that he'll show us mercy when we fail. He's all there to grace us so we don't fail. I want you to know that's the kind of Savior we have. And if you're outside the fold, I want you to know that perhaps today he's going to call your voice. He's going to call your name. You're going to hear his voice and you'll be a part of his forever family and enjoy the relationship of a sheep to a very loving shepherd. So why is Jesus the good shepherd? Let's go back to the passage again. We've kind of seen who the characters were in it, but why would he be that good shepherd? Going back to verse 2, it says, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep, because the shepherd can go in through the door, etc. Verse 3, it says, To him the doorkeeper opens. So in other words, there's a doorkeeper that will open the door and let the shepherd come in and out with his sheep. He's kind of guarding the door during the day. And it says, And the sheep hear his voice. So if you want to jot that down, the first one would be that he calls us. One good thing about our great shepherd that we have is the fact that he will call us. And he says that over and over again, that he will call us. And the sheep will hear his voice. Now, when he calls us, his voice is going to be clear. In other words, there'll be no mistaking about it. Now, let me make this clear. When he calls us, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to shout out your name and you're going to hear an audible voice of the Lord. If you're saying, well, pastor, can you describe what that voice will be? I cannot. It's too difficult for me to frame it in a, in a way that maybe we'll fully understand other than that in the uh, cacophone of life where you heard nothing but noise of stuff, those of you that in your own heart, you are seeking God. You're seeking something spiritual. You're seeking to go to the next level. I want you in the midst of all that noise, you will hear loudly for even the Lord can speak so loudly According to scripture in the Old Testament, it's a whisper and you can hear it. I can be walking with Carol in the mall and we can kind of get separated or whatever and it could be noisy and she forgets her phone or I forget my phone and we can't connect each other. I can hear Carol say, Stan, in the midst of that crowd, I know that she's speaking to me. Now I want you to know the Lord will speak to you. And those of you who have experienced that you know it was in a sense the the message, the prompting, the communication of God to you in your life. Would you share that with your family? Can you remember a time that there was a definite lead 
And that that lead did not contradict scripture because if it did, it wasn't from the Lord then because that's how he's going to speak to us. What a beautiful way that he does. Let's go back to the passage. Besides he calling us and his voice is clear, he also, when he does call us, he will lead us. And I love that because after he calls us, the passage goes on to say, and he leads them out. So not only does he call us and his voice is clear, but when he leads us out, his direction is clear. He will lead us in the right direction. So he speaks to us clearly. He leads us in a clear direction. Now what might help us understand this a little bit better is something that I picked up from a classic book, and I urge all of you to try to get a copy of it or check it out of our library. We have one upstairs. It's in a four-volume set. One volume is called... A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, written by Philip Keller. Some of you may have that book already. If you have it, would you read it again for our study here to really understand the dynamics of a shepherd? Here's what it says in the book called A Shepherd Looks at the Good Shepherd and His Sheep. It goes like this. The relationship which rapidly develops between a shepherd and the sheep under his care is to a definite degree dependent upon the use of of the shepherd's voice. And let me pause and give you parentheses. Some of you might be saying, well, how does this writer know all about this? This writer grew up in a shepherding community in East Africa. As a young boy, he was put off into a mission station to go to school hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And through all of that, he said he had godly people that God brought into his life to bring him into a relationship with the Lord. And then he then, as he studied scripture and he studied all about the outdoors and shepherding, he saw how this thing was a beautiful and accurate parallel. So this writer, Philip, Carroll, Philip uh, Keller, goes on to say, Sheep quickly become accustomed to their owner's particular voice. They are acquainted with its unique tone. They know its peculiar sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from that of any other person. Now that's interesting. Other writings I was studying this says that some shepherds had a particular kind of a clucking noise. And they taught their sheep that, and that sheep knows to follow them. We've got two cats and a dog. Carol knows just how to speak cat language. So the cats could be anywhere in the house, and they'll run up. The good news is not all the other cats in the neighborhood follow them, all right? Back into this. So they understand the person's voice. It says, if a stranger should come along or among them, they would not, the sheep would not recognize nor respond to his voice in the same way that they would do that of the shepherd. Even if the visitor should use the same words and phrases that of their rightful owner, they would not react in the same way. It is a case of becoming actually conditioned to the familiar nuances and personal accent of their shepherd's call. Now, why is this important? For two primary reasons. Back in those days they would have usually one large pen or fold outside the little town, little community, the little village. And at night, because it's easier to protect the sheep by putting them into this fold, they would lead various flocks of different owners into one big pen and they would all kind of mingle with one another during the night. The shepherd then would lay in front of the opening of that pen and he would actually become the gate the door, as Jesus will talk about in a moment. When it was time the next day to leave, you wouldn't just stand up and let the sheep out. 
each shepherd would come up to the entrance of the door where the doorkeeper was and would begin making their clucking noise, whatever it was, and their sheep would hear it and would gather to the door. And then the shepherd would turn and begin to walk out into the fields for them to eat and to be able to graze, etc. And each shepherd would go wherever they needed to go, and each shepherd with their own nuances of sounds would then have their sheep follow them. Again, we have the same idea right here through Scripture that we hear the voice of the Lord most loudly as we stay in Scripture. And the purpose of reading Scripture is not merely for information. It's so that we can know the shepherd and follow the shepherd clearly. And so that's this whole voice of the calling and the direction that we have in the life of a shepherd and a sheep. You know, when we came here to this church, there was a very definite call that we knew that God would have us to be a part of this church here. I can't tell you what was, I, was the Lord's voice high or low. Was it a baritone or was it a bass? I couldn't tell you that. I can tell you he didn't say, hey, you guy over here with that Aloha shirt, you're the one, you, you go to Hawaii. It wasn't that general either. It was, Stan, these are the people and this is where I'd like you to grow in the Lord and they're going to grow in the Lord and I want to do great and mighty things in the life of this faith family right here. Now, how he spoke to me, I don't know. I just know that there was this, I know that I know that I know that I know that it's there. Was it confirmed by outside? Absolutely. Was it confirmed by his word? Absolutely. Was it confirmed by God doing supernatural things like providing for us? Yes. Now watch this. This is a lesson for all of us to learn. That sometimes when the shepherd leads us out, there's going to be challenges. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.